Shine. 
in God's house tonight? I know I am. I get excited about this time of the year. I love celebrating Christmas, love just uh, the festivities, love the food and the fellowship and all the Christmas lights. And just to me, it's just a great time to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, it's time to receive our tithes and offerings tonight. If you do, if you do need a tithe and offering, please just raise your hands. One of our ushers will make sure you get one, or you can simply reach in front of you, grab one out of the pews, or if you like to give electronically like I do, both for you here in the congregation, those watching via live stream or, or on uh, social media, you can give by texting to give, or you can give by going to our website. We just want to say thank you for your giving. Your giving is making a difference in the kingdom every single day. Don't, don't let the devil lie to you. You are having impact every single day by every dollar that you give into the kingdom of God. If you got your Bibles, I'd like to read a couple of scriptures just to encourage you. If you got your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. As you're turning there, you know, as I shared, I love this time of year. It's one of those seasons where, uh, you know, we do get bombarded with a lot of commercialism, do we not? We get, uh, you can't turn the TV set on without seeing the latest and greatest specials. You can't uh, listen to radio without hearing the specials or social media. But, you know, it's one of those things as a dad, of course, it's one of the things I love. I love blessing my kids. I do. I think everybody in this house loves to bless your children, do you not? And uh, to me, it's special. I get a chance to sit down with them and ask them, so what's on your wish list? You know, let's, let's talk about that. And, of course, you know, their wish list as they get bigger seems to get more expensive, which I'm not so happy about that. But, you know, it, it's just great when I, when I get a chance to experience Christmas. And, and I live through their eyes vicariously. And, you know, uh, you know when, 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 when I get a chance to, you know, think and strategize, how can I make my girls smile? I, I, I do. I think about those kind of things. You know, and Christmas will be one of those things where I'll sit down with my wife, and again, we'll, we'll decide what we can or can't buy. But, you know, I love giving my girls good gifts. I love to give them things they want. I don't want to give them stuff they don't want. Uh, I want them to open those gifts with just their expectations, big smiles on their faces. I probably take about 150 pictures per, per present. Uh, the girls think it's a bit much, but it's just that's who I am as a dad. I can't help it. As you got your, now let's, let's turn now to the scripture. Enough, enough about me. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 says this. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You see, just as, just as I get joy in blessing my kids, and I believe you probably do the same thing on Christmas Day, we serve a God who loves us. When we're Christians, he calls us son and daughter. And just like we love to, to see their expectancy and we love to see our kids smile from an ear, God wants to bless you with good gifts. It says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. So I encourage you tonight, be mindful we serve a God that has great things in store for you. He loves when we step out in obedience. He loves when we step out in faith. One of the things that really impresses me, and I thought about this this past week, you know, my children, I'm sure, I probably, I suspect your children too, they have faith that when Christmas Day comes, there's presents under that tree. I don't tell them they're coming, but they have faith they're going to be there. But you know what? We can have that same kind of faith in our God who calls us son and daughter, that he wants to bless us with good gifts. Luke 6.38 says it this way, Given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over, men and women given to your bosom. By the measure in which we give, it's given back to us. God has 
the point, God wants to bless you above and beyond what you can ask or even think. Tonight as you give tonight, again, know that every cent, every dollar that comes from this ministry goes towards winning souls. And Philippians 4, 17 says, he who wins souls is wise. It's going to be added to your account. Think about that. Every soul that comes to Christ gets added to your account. Let's give tonight and let's do with expectation that God has good things in store for us. Father, I just thank you tonight for all you do for us. God, I thank you, Lord, that you do call us son and daughters, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege it is to be able to sow into this ministry, to give our tithes and give our offerings. Tonight, I thank you for just blessing every dollar that's coming into this ministry tonight. I thank you it's going to produce a harvest. I thank you, Lord, we're going to be the rescuers you're calling us to be. Lord, we thank you as we celebrate this season of Christmas. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, tonight, let this honor be an, a, a, a holy offering unto you that pleases you and brings a, a sweet aroma unto you. We love you. We thank you for all you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give our tithes and offerings unto the Lord tonight. money gets back there. No, in my truck, yeah, right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, we got some great news about the uh, Urbana Church uh, building, and uh, so Eric, you're going to give them the information? Yeah, you bet, you bet. I, as, uh, as Pastor was sharing, we shared a few weeks ago about uh, this building that we were able to locate in, uh, in Urbana. It's a great facility. That's going to give our church in Urbana, Pastor Cowan, uh, room to grow, uh, spacious, great location in a, in a residential community. Well, the good news, I just got word today. Obviously, we got, to think, we got to do things in order, right? So our attorneys got a chance to dive into all the documents. And just today at 430, I got word that everything's been approved. And we'll be closing on that building probably Monday of Tuesday of next week. So we just give God praise for it yeah. because Amen. it's part of who we are. And through yeah. Urbana, we're going to continue to win more souls yes. for God's Amen. glory. Praise God. So now all we need to do is pray for uh, the church in uh, Dayton to get a building, and uh, amen. we'll move on with that one. Amen? Amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome, Pastor. I'm not going to keep you long, and if I lie, that's okay. Uh, no, I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts 14, 21 through 22. I want to speak to you something that is a relevant word for you today. It is something that we're all going to be involved in. It is something that had been prophesied that will come upon us. But many people today crumble. They just crumble. They just fall apart. Their faith gets set aside. They get hurt. They get offended. They get mad. They get a million and one things. And it all regresses back to being pointed towards God. The only innocent one in the whole scenario of life is God. He is not, cannot, nor will ever be blamed for any evil. 
God is a good God, and every gift that comes from above is good. And despite your insurance definition of the acts of God, he's not behind any of them. So they need to pay up. So that's not going to happen. All right. I want to talk to you tonight about tribulations and persecutions. I'm going to be dealing with them uh, for two or three weeks. And uh, these are things that we have got to understand and be prepared for. The word tribulation and persecutions basically mean the same thing. They're woven in together. And it simply means to afflict someone. Somebody say, all affliction comes from the devil. Anguish. Come on. All anguish comes from the devil. All pressure comes from the devil. All oppression comes from the devil. All distress, all trouble comes from the devil. Now you might say in your natural mind, oh, that just can't be true. Don't under-spiritualize the deceptive work of Satan in your life. The greatest cover that he has is for you to think that he's normal. That his activity is just a way or a part of life. That is a lie. And if he deceives us, then we fall into the canopy of being those that can be easily overtaken. So you might think that this is simple. Anguish, affliction, trouble, trauma, you know, a confusion, a disarray, and all that. You think that that's normal. Is not normal. Absolutely is not normal. It is not normal for two people to be in love and to be at each other's throats. That should tell you right there, oh, well, that's just who they are. Then you need to get the devil cast out of them. That is not who God created them to be. That's not who they are in the born-again experience. Amen? All right. So let's look at verse uh, Acts 14, 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Notice those words, continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation enter in to the kingdom of God. Notice that we are to continue in the faith, and then he tells them that we have to go through much tribulation to get into the kingdom of God. Tribulation is face adversary. It is opposed to you walking, believing, trusting, and relying on God. So Paul tells us, if you're going to make it to the kingdom, you're going to have to go through lots of tribulation, through much tribulation. Now, Paul has already said this. How many of you know you can't add to or take away from the Word of God? All right. If God said this through the Apostle Paul, then you and I take it as a prophetic warning 
a prophetic activity that is set against us, not by God. God's not trying to get us out of the kingdom. He's trying to get us into the kingdom. That's why we're preaching. And so we have to understand that tribulation is opposed to your faith so much that it desires to break your connection with receiving eternal life at the end of your days. Now, if somebody told me that, uh, well, I mean, we are in a pandemic, they call. And the last pandemic was in, ended in 1977. You might not even know that. It was a smallpox epidemic and lasted for 20 years. It was in its highlight in the 1950s. French used it on their enemies as biological uh, warfare. It was designed to destroy people. Uh, they used it uh, when they were uh, fighting the Indians. They would contact smallpox and they would send it into their camps and wipe out whole camps of Indians by smallpox. The last case of smallpox was defeated in 1977. So we have been up against pandemics not that many years ago. It took 20 years to get a vaccine for smallpox. It only took nine months for a vaccine to be come up with against what they would call COVID-19. Now that in itself is a miracle, amen? But we have to understand that if somebody tells us that this is dangerous, we ought to prepare for it. Well, three of us are going to survive this tribulation. Do you understand that Paul is telling you that tribulation is going to come? Tribulation is not just a disarray of things. It is, as Ephesians, the sixth chapter, if you go there for a moment, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and starting in verse 10, we quote this many times, but we need to look at it and understand what it's telling us. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to <coughs> stand against, against, somebody say, to resist, to be able to endure, to push away, not to be overcome by. When it talks about stand against, it talks about an assault. It is an outright war for your soul. It is an outright war for the faith of you, your spouse, and your family. And it says that we are to put on the whole armor of God to be able to stand against the wiles. That word wiles is the trickery. It is the schemes. It is the plans. It is the strategies that are launched against a foe. It would be like we are going to make an assault upon a, an enemy. We would all plan. We would know his weaknesses, his strengths, and so forth. And we would mount an assault. And the only way that they could withstand is if they were prepared. Well, Paul tells us, that we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. Somebody say the devil. Not God. The devil. 
Come on, somebody say the devil. You know, we, we get so used to having trouble in life. But Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Stop being disturbed. Stop being pressured. Stop being manipulated. Stop being oppressed. Stop being everything that God said you are not. Really, it means that we ought to wake up. Could I get an amen? We need to wake up. Many of us are entirely too unaware of the devil. And people say, well, you don't want to talk too much about the devil. You'll scare the saints. I hope that God, you're scared right out of unbelief and into faith. You know, sometimes we treat saints like we try to treat this new generation. Don't raise your voice. You'll break my, my heart. Oh, you'll depress me. You'll, oh, get over it. Tribulation and persecution are things that we are going to have to fight through to obtain eternal life. Through much of it. Somebody say much. Not one day. Somebody say much. Not a week. Somebody say much. Come on, not a month. Somebody say much. Much tribulation. And the devil is behind it all. Go to a 2 Timothy 3.10. 2 Timothy 3.10. Tribulation is only good for one thing, discovering God in a way you've never known him before it come. Yep, hallelujah. 2 Timothy 3.10 says this, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. You've known my persecutions, my afflictions, which come, which came upon me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, and what persecution I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Somebody say, God is the deliverer. The devil is the author of persecution and tribulation. If you do not recognize that, if you invite him into the house, then it will be your problem contending with him. Because as he's there, he doesn't observe, he begins to lay strongholds. He begins to create deceptive acceptances of manners of life that your children will embrace. Next time you go to lose your temper, you need to look or have your spouse look at you and say, you know what? The devil's about to use you. Wake up. Did you hear me? Because, see, that's the work of the flesh. And God's not resurrecting that. And so we have to be. So every time your spouse goes get mad, just say, honey, I love you, but the devil's about to use you. And then if they continue, that's their problem. But just tell them, honey, wherever the devil's taking you tonight, you may not come back from. Now, you think that's funny, but realize that every divorce 
started with an argument or disagreement months or years ago. And he's been building a stronghold to destroy your family and to reap the benefits of something that God never created you to reap. And if you would have said at that time, honey, the devil's about to use you, and he would have got a hold of his mouth, would have got a hold of his actions, would have got a hold of his emotions, he could have broken the foundation of that stronghold. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting, hallelujah. Amen. We need to realize that the devil is at work and he uses people. Amen. And we think it's just normal. It's not normal for people to get crazy, get hateful, get angry, get divisive, destructive. When is that normal? We even send people to psychiatrists in the world. And we should be sending Christians to the woodshed that God could chastise them and correct them and get them back on the road to walking in love and long-suffering and charity one to another. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, 2 Timothy, and it, in verse 12, Yea, and all that will live, who? In Christ Jesus shall suffer blessing. Persecutions. You know, the more like Christ you get, the more dangerous you get, and the more pressure you are going to have on you to release the realms of faith that you have decided to walk in. You know, people tell me all the time, well, you know, man, I tell you what, Pastor, I come here, my life was great. I started coming to this church, it all fell apart. I said, well, welcome to Christianity. You should have been skillful in tribulation before you ever ended up at this church. But the thing of it is, because half of us don't live a Christ-filled, Christ-centered life, we never, ever experience the byproducts of the pressure of the enemy to hinder us. Come on, hallelujah. Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, tribulation, we'll talk about it later. One of the places tribulation comes from are people that are dominated by the wicked one. Wickedness in their heart hates righteousness or godliness. And so the only way that it can deal with it is to break its connection to its author, which is God. All right, let's go to 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. Tribulation and persecution. We should be masters of it and not slaves to it. In verse 2, it says, And I sent Timothy, our brethren and minister of God, <coughs> to our fellow laborers in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Now, why does faith need established? Why does it need to be comforted, encouraged, or brought close, or woven into our being? Because it's under attack. 
What's it under attack from? A foe. What is the foe? De the devil. And it says, no man should be moved by these afflictions. No man should be moved. Somebody say moved. In other words, it's not when they come, it's not to redefine the stand that we have taken or the faith that we have invested. Hallelujah. That we don't be moved by these afflictions, persecutions, or tribulations. For yourselves know that we are appointed, appointed unto them. In other words, the devil has appointed many hindrances and many snares that are opposing you and I. And then it says, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer, we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and you know. In other words, Paul prophetically told the church, the devil's coming, and he came. And he said, but you should not be moved. Don't be moved by what the devil is trying to give place to. Understand, if you do not give attention to something that the devil has started in your life, it will quickly die. The only way that the workings of the devil continue is because we feed them. It gets our attention. It releases us from our faith. Now we are in the battle by ourselves. Now we are moved easily, easily by the tribulations and persecutions that the devil brings. And it's time for us to grow up and stop being moved. We need to be established by believing what God said. What his prophets and apostles have declared, that's what we are to be established and unmovable on. Amen? Too many times we are so non-resistant to what the devil is doing. Hallelujah. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Romans 8.32. Because tribulations and afflictions are the wiles of the devil. So everything that comes out of them is connected to him. And everything that comes out of them is orchestrated by him. And so we're going to look at Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The answer in the midst of your battle, your pressure, we call it the hard times. Boy, it's just been hard on me. It's just been this. It's just been that. But what you have to realize that God hasn't forsaken you. Remember, his name is Emmanuel. That's defined where he is and what he does. And he is with us. And he is there to do what? He is there to do 
good. Will he not freely give you all things? In other words, God's got an answer for your problem. He's got an answer for your problem. You might say, well, I just don't know what's going on in my life. I just don't understand who asked you to. Who asked you to understand? Who asked you to get an answer? Abraham came out by faith, the father of faith, and said, let me take you into a place that you do not know. But when you walk in those places that you do not know, you discover him who has called you to go there. And if you want to discover God, you're going to have to quit complaining. Oh, it's hard. Boy, this was rough. It's tough. Welcome to Christianity. Welcome. Welcome to Christianity. It seems in Christianity, I've lost all of my really close friends of the past. My prayer partner, 25 years, Calvin, died of cancer. Well, didn't you believe God? I believe God. He believed God, and he died. Didn't that hurt you? No, absolutely not. No, no, no. Why would I be hurt by death? The Bible says that I am to be comforted in that time. In other words, I am draw my faith closer than I've ever been at a time when I realize that death is real. I don't know why things happen. I don't know. I just lost my brother, Charlie. Carol lost her husband, Charlie. He was a great guy. He believed in me probably more than anybody that I know besides God. He believed in me. He believed what God had asked me to do, called me to do, appointed me to do, and empowered and equipped and anointed me to do. Charlie believed in me. He was the best brother, the best friend that a man could have. Well, he died. Well, didn't that hurt you? No. Why? Because I know that it's a part of death that's appointed unto man once to die. Now, how it happens, whether the devil does it, whether you made a mistake, whether this happened or that happened, I don't know. But what you're going to have to do is draw close knowing that they are with the Lord. And I am waiting for his return with them. When my mother died, she called, called me. She run everybody else out of the room. You know, she had 14 kids. There was a crowd. She ran them all out, and she said, uh, Pastor, I want to talk to you. I said, yeah. So she had me get down right in front of the chair, and she said, now listen to me. She said, God has healed me of cancer. God has healed me of this. God has healed me of that. And she said, I've had a good life. Now, at that time, I thought, Drugs are getting to her because I, I've seen the life she's had. She, she had 14 kids, you know, hand-to-mouth feeding. Praise God, no heat, no water, no electric. Where in the world would you raise, lady? But all she remembered was the day from her salvation on. She, did, she didn't count those tough years or rough years. And she said, now, I know that if you pray for me, God's going to heal me, but I don't want to be healed. She said, I'm ready to go to heaven, so I don't want you to pray. She said, I love you. I've been blessed twice. I'm blessed to have you as my son. I've been blessed to have you as my pastor. She said, now, don't pray for me. I said, okay, we won't. We put her back in the bed. Family all came back. We were just talking and laughing. About five minutes later, we turned around, and she was dead. She just got up and went 
home to be with the Lord while we were talking about her. Well, didn't you feel sad? Absolutely, I felt sad. Who in the world loses a mother 72 years and you don't miss them? You don't cry about them. But that's not going to detour me. I'm not concerned. God, why did she get the disease? I know where it came from. She didn't want to fight. What do you want me to do? Make her live? No. She is in heaven. And I will get there one day and I will behold her and those that have went before me. It's just a fact of life. Well, it just just hurt me. Get over your hurt. Quit letting your hurt dominate your life. Let your faith in God dominate you. Hallelujah. Praise God. If Phyllis goes to heaven before me, I'm not going to wish her back. Not only going to even ask God why he took her. I'm not going to ask how the devil got it. I'm not going to ask anything. I'm going to rejoice that I've kept my faith, helped her, and kept her, and helped her receive the eternal life that God promised her. I'm going to rejoice when she goes. Are you going to be happy? I didn't say I was going to be happy. You are missing the whole fact. The whole fact is that I know where she is. I haven't lost her. She is in the carekeeping of my father. And that's what we've struggled and fought for. Will I miss her? Yes. But when I do, I'll replay the memories of my life. And I might not miss her as much. Had a guy the other day, Philip was with me. He said, Pastor, look, he just wrote out a check. He said, look, Pastor, if you need money for anything or anybody in the church needs money, just tell me. I got money. I said, man, I wish you were my wife. (laughs) I got money, Pastor. I said, I've never had anybody say that to me. He said, well, I'm telling you, I got money. You want money? You need money, Pastor? You tell me. I'll write you a check. I got money. Didn't he, Philip? And Philip tried to get him to go to his church. And uh, <laughs> praise God. Now, in this passage of Scripture, it says in verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? Now, remember, who is he? That is a personality. That is an individual. It's not just a thing. It's a who. Who is he that condemneth? Brings back to remembrance. Causes you to be troubled. Causes you to question your faith. Causes you to wonder if God heard you. Causes you to wonder if your uh, prayer of faith has been prayed. Causing you to wonder uh, who, who, if your seed will be multiplied. Who? Who is condemning you? That is a personality. And it is a scheming, planning, attacking adversary. It says this, Is it Christ that died? Yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? So Jesus justified me. 
He's not trying to cause me trouble, condemnation, separation of faith, weakness of faith, wavering of faith, moving out of my faith. He's not trying to do any of that. Anything that does that is the devil. Do you hear me? The devil. And then it is he's at the right hand of God and he's praying for me. What? That I will win. That my faith will not fail. He's interceding for me. And then it says this. Who? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation. You know that tribulation has a plan and a purpose. What's its plan and purpose? To separate you from the love of God. So it's not from God. It is from the adversary. And it is attack against your faith. Or who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall distress. Or persecution. Famine. Nakedness. Or peril. Or sword. Well, none of those things have the ability but they are whose. Even when we run into need, nakedness covers the whole entirety of man's need because covering covers the entirety of man's provision. Who told you you were naked? Now, as it is written... For thy sake we are killed all the day long and we according and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, somebody say nay. In all these things that these personalities invoke upon us, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, you know death has a name. Life and all of its problems has a name. Angels have names, personalities, principalities, names, and personalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, or the schemes and the plans that are orchestrated by them, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. What is a creature? A who shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. These things that happen in our life happen by demonic design and assignment. Remember when Paul had a revelation from heaven, he said, and there was given unto me from Satan, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I would be exalted. People say, well, God didn't want him to be prideful. He wasn't prideful at all. He knew where the revelation come from, but he was set on living it, sharing it, proclaiming it, and demonstrating it, and the devil could not let that happen. And so he assigned Paul a buffeting spirit, a personality, someone to cause tribulation, someone to cause persecution, someone to cause suffering, someone to cause trouble, hardship. Confusion, disarray. That's what spirits do. But they are on assignment from the devil. Now, let's go to Matthew 13, 21. And uh, 
we're, we'll have to kind of, you know, we'll have to wrap up here. If not, we're going to. All right, Matthew, the 13th chapter and verse 21. Does anybody have an uh, iPad and a Strong's Concordance in it? Or a phone that has an I, uh, Strong's Concordance? Wayne, you got it? <coughs> Look up Matthew, the 13th chapter and verse 21. And it says, uh, it said 21, didn't it? Okay. Let's start at verse 20. But he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and a noun with joy receiveth it. Wow. Yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while. What is something that doesn't have roots? Something that's not established. Something that has not laid hold. Something that has not developed beyond the surface. Has no root in itself. No maturity. And so for a while, for a while, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the what? Word. By and by he, that individual, is offended. Wayne, do you have that word offended? Bring it up here so I can hear it. So it says that when a man has the word, tribulation and persecution comes. Now, if the devil wants this man away from his faith and away from God, do you think he is sending something unaffected? No, absolutely not. To entrap, trip up, stumble, entice to sin. Entice to sin? Apostasy. Apostasy. You know what apostasy is? To forsake the way that you know is right. And it says, or displeasure to make, to offend. So when you get offended, the whole thing about tribulation and persecution is to get you offended, to cause you to become an apostate, withdraw from your faith stand. Now that's what it's all about. So when it comes, you can either start recognizing it or you can start being ruled by it. You can either start rising up or you can either start being run over. It's totally up to you. But these are demonic personalities that have looked at your life. They have strategies. They have schemes. They have plans. And they want you to think that this is normal. It's not normal. Could have given an amen. It's just not normal. It's like a drug addict. You know, he does everything to destroy what he has used his life to get. Got a great family, a great home. He's got a good job. Everything he's got is being destroyed by an affliction. Something that enticed him to go wrong. He knew he shouldn't do it. He knew it was illegal. He knew he should not uh, fiddle with it, touch it, tamper it. 
but he did. And then he gets what he has sown. Everything he's sown is destroying everything God has ever blessed him with. Tribulation. It's time to wake up. Stop counting. I just watched a, a movie. Uh, must have been last night. Uh, Transformers. But the ones that they didn't see were the little ones. The little robots, the little, little things that nobody thought were a real problem. They were cute. And they would always get behind things and they, people would look, oh, and they were already gone. But the big ones, everybody said, whoa, man, look at that. Everybody could see the Transformers. I don't know their name. I just know that I like the bug, the yellow one, um, you know, what, whatever his name is, Bumble. There you go, Bumblebee. So if anybody's going to buy me a Camaro, please make it yellow, and uh, I'll, I'll just live in a fantasy world. But those little ones, nobody saw. They'd be on shelves. Nobody paid any attention. You know, when the devil starts bringing tribulation and stuff, you think it's just natural. Why do you think the devil has been building a stronghold in your life or your spouse's life only now to use it to destroy your marriage, to break your family, to destroy your faith? You know, more Christians backslide than there are people getting saved. You know why? Because they've come to think that Christianity is just a way of life and that it's really not a pursuit of eternal life. They are so blinded and so deceived that it's like the devil doesn't exist. They quit seeking God, quit fighting the fight, caved in, and guess what? They've become overrun. And so they just draw back. Real easy, just draw back. Do nothing. That's the way to lose your salvation. Tribulation and persecution, folks, are dangerous. And if it's coming, we better prepare for when it shows up. Now, if you can just kind of darken live stream, how many of you got guns? Some buried in yard, some buried in, uh, stuck in a cabinet, some uh, under the seat of your car, some in the trunk of your car, some of them uh, in the shed, some of them stuck. At, why? Because you really think that if an apocalypse comes, you're going to be ready. Some of you have 20-year food sources. I I'm not complaining, I'm not saying anything. Please give me your address if you've got it because I'm headed your way. But what I want you to realize is this. We prepare for things. Yet when it comes to fighting the fight of faith, we just roll over, give up, and cave in. And it's time to stop it. So it's time to start taking these literal entry steps that come into our life.
Amen? What is correction about in a child? The rod of correction will drive the soul of your child away from hell. What's that about? Telling them to stay in line with what is right. Because if you get out of line, the devil will snare you. You pressure them, point them, define them, make them honor their mother and father. Why? So they'll be blessed. Start drawing that type of line in everything in your life. You don't correct Johnny after he's cussed you three times. You correct him the first time. And you go back over to the neighbor's yard and pick him up and bring him home that night for supper. Yeah. Absolutely. So, let's take a stand against tribulation, persecution. Let's stop these things that seem so small that end up being Lord over our lives. Praise God. Stand your feet. Hallelujah. <coughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you have warned us of things to come. Not just the Antichrist, not just the end of the world, not just wars, rumors of wars. You have warned us that tribulations, persecutions are coming. They are a part of our battle. And it is a fight to enter into the kingdom of God. And there are many adversaries. There are many enemies that would seek to separate us from our faith. God, let those that have been wounded in faith, weakened in faith, discouraged in faith, wearied in faith, God, rise up and realize that they can stop this work of the plans and the schemes of the enemy. They can stop it. They're better than him. They're bigger than him. They are empowered by you, and you stripped him of all power. Make us wise, God. Make us aware and awaken us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Sunday morning. How